boys and girls, we are fucking back, baby. It's the Creative Marketing Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. Welcome aboard. Uh, If you've listened to the podcast before, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. Uh, Either way, I think you're going to find some deep value in today's episode. On the show today, we've got Lawrence M. White. He is a incredibly talented artist uh, and also an incredibly talented social media promoter he he's grown his following to i think just just shy of 60k followers on instagram i think 125k plus on tiktok um i know he crushes on linkedin and other platforms as well um he is and listen his paintings we talk about it on the podcast but like his paintings are basically like photographs he the man is a freak in a good way so talented um he was also episode one of season one of the creative marketing podcast so once you've listened to this one go back and listen to that if you'd like um and the progress in the last year that he's made has just been crazy and so inspiring and enjoyable to watch um and it's culminating now in he on the starting on the 17th of february for three months he has a three-month residency his first solo art show ever in the South Place Hotel, which I believe is near Liverpool Street Station. Um, so would highly encourage people to go and check that out. It's completely free to go. 17th of Feb is a launch night, so um, unless you're on the invite list, you're not getting in. But from the 18th of Feb onwards, um, that that show is going to be their residency, residency for three months, uh, free for all to go and view. So would highly encourage you. I'm definitely going to be going. So if anyone wants to go with me, hit me up and we can go together. Um, and I'm excited to see uh, that show. The show is centered around female icons. So it's nine paintings of female icons ranging from the Queen of England to Oprah Winfrey, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and six others that I'll let you wait and find out for yourself about. Um, but they're all, like I said, fucking unbelievable paintings um and yeah Lawrence is just a legend pleasure to talk to and he sort of shares I guess a lot of what he's been up to since we spoke last how he has become a dominant force on Clubhouse and Twitter spaces how he launched uh uh his first NFT project and sold that out um and lots of other things uh, and lots of sort of definitely useful info and advice that you can use if you are yourself an artist or someone who's looking to grow on social media etc and so yeah like i said it's a uh, it's it's a great one and also yeah it's great to be back with the creative marketing podcast to be completely honest i just randomly just stopped making episodes at some point because i just got real burnt out towards the end of last year um so my apologies for anyone who was looking out for new episodes and they weren't coming i just needed a break but i have my break i feel amazing now i'm back better than ever feeling refreshed i'm also famous on tiktok now (laughs) but we'll get to that i think i'll do an episode of the monthly report or whatever we're calling it these days uh to catch you up on my own personal progress since we've last been talking basically i've just been posting tiktoks and i haven't been posting anywhere else because fucking you get millions of views on tiktok and you don't get that anywhere else but i need to get my game together and i will be getting my game together across other platforms as well so watch this space for that but for now let's get into the podcast with mr lawrence white and uh, i'm sure you're gonna enjoy it i've forgotten how this works but i need to get my guitar because i do the intro music myself every week as you may recall uh, or as you're about to learn here's my guitar i've got it uh, let's get fucking into the fucking podcast. Welcome to the Creative Marketing Podcast. Lawrence, welcome back to the Creative Marketing Podcast. First guest on uh, season one, and now the first guest on season two. You're making a habit of it. So obviously for season three, you're going to have to come back and be the first guest again. Welcome back. How are you? I didn't know that, but I actually love that that is the case. Um <laughs> Yes, a lot's happened in in the last year or so that that um, we last spoke. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I said before this is one of my favourite podcasts that I've done. So uh, um, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. Appreciate it. Happy to hear. Um, and yeah, there's definitely um, definitely a lot to catch up on because I've been following your progress avidly since since we last spoke. And I think yeah, you've been absolutely smashing it. It's been fun to watch. Um, and there's a lot of different threads that we can talk through about that. But I guess the first one is, I think last time we spoke, you were still 
maybe you were finishing up what was potentially going to be your last sort of gig of of quote unquote real work um <laughs> now you, you've taken the jump and you're full-time artist so talk to me a bit about that and that journey yeah i mean i think it was like a bit of a pipe dream in the beginning to be able to earn enough to sustain yourself to be able to do the art thing i think that um since we last spoke i, I have done a, a couple of other tv jobs just because <clears throat> i generally enjoy it and doing the tv stuff uh you know when you're uh, i guess smashing out paintings at the canvas it can get a bit lonely sometimes and so i think it's good to with tv you do freelance work so a job could be like a few weeks at a time which is kind of perfect because then it allows me to to obviously see the uh, friends family keep connection sorry not friends family uh, see friends and also keep them links to uh, mm-hmm. you know um the shows and whatnot and, and keep kind of a hand on the pulse as such but uh yeah a lot of art has happened in the um in the rent in the interim um between those and, and yeah kind of i guess full time now yeah what was the the journey for you like did you sort of start gradually reducing the amount of work you were doing on on tv shows or was this yeah was it like a gradual thing or was there a point where you were like i think i can make the switch or how did that sort of go down i guess as i was able to actually increase the prices of my work and just a more notoriety for for my work it meant that i was earning more from from the artwork and it meant i could be a lot more selective with the tv jobs that i was doing um and then basically just weaned myself off them, I guess, and, and like I said, we just dip in from time to time uh, where necessary or, or, or where I want to. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that there's this perception that you have, to, if you're doing like a side hustle, which is what it, be, it began as, that you kind of have to go all in and jump off the edge. Um, but that, fortunately, in my situation, isn't the case because I'm freelance. Um, that means that you can just do like periods of time where you're in work and then out of work. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything that the TV side of things, because obviously somewhat in the related industries, I guess, is there any, any lessons you've learned from that that you take into your art practice or your how you promote yourself, things like that? Yes, I think being around people that are comfortable in front of camera made me more comfortable in front of camera. I'm now comfortable in front of camera, but that wasn't always the case, um, I would say. And the way to speak in sound bites um in like succinct ways and whatnot learn all that from tv and then what has also helped is getting to know i guess influencers and the celebrities that are on the shows that i used to work on but to be able to then promote the um the art that i do and that's how i initially gained my following and stuff so it's been very helpful in, in that kind of way and like i said that's why it's been useful to keep a hand in for as long as possible um in that space nice yeah Makes complete sense. And yeah, I mean, well, there, there's one actually. Any advice for, because I mean, I've definitely struggled. I've I've gotten over some of the fear. I've still got some of the fear of, you know, being in front of the camera. But I know there's people who are just like, the thought of recording a story of speaking to the camera is just like the worst <laughs> thing they can imagine. Any <laughs> advice for like how to graduate yourself into that or how to how to start getting comfortable with that? It's a weird one because I genuinely don't really care. What well, I care and I really don't care about what people think about uh, me. I want people to like me. Uh, so I, I, I concern with myself when I do like, you know, a selfie video to speak to my audience. I worry, I guess, how I come across or whatnot. But then I also, at the same time, it's weird. I don't really care too much what they think because I know that it's just what I have to do mm-hmm. to, um, I guess, speak to people that actually care about what I do, you know? Um, and so I understand that for a lot of people that can be quite difficult. But I think, like I said, over the years from being in and out and, you know, I guess teaching people how to speak in front of, of the camera themselves, I've been able to pick up a couple of bits myself, which has made it easier than maybe your average person would, would find it maybe, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the worst bit is like how cringe it can be hearing yourself back. I try I try <laughs> imagine that I'm talking to one of my friends because that makes me speak somewhat more normal because sometimes the first few times especially like anyone would try it it's like you're so awkward the way you like just not natural speaking at all it's like so over the top Um, listen to it unless i'm actually posting a clip of the actual chat interview whatever i've done i literally wouldn't want to listen to it again (laughs) um yeah that's a whole other skill in itself is listening to yourself talking back (laughs) um and i guess you're 
you're dialed in currently from uh, a very interesting space that's also a new addition since the last time we spoke i think yes um so talk about that it's it's your your new studio right yeah i mean hopefully i'm not too echoey on the podcast but um since we last spoke i was in my second bedroom um that was working fine and um until it wasn't you know i think where i was producing a lot more content um a lot more work and i needed a better lighting setup it just wasn't feasible to keep working in that bedroom uh and so yeah managed to find a space which is not too far from me out in essex and so now i just make the little journey over in the morning and then yeah i'm in this space which is quite nice because it has no windows uh which some people might find weird but it means that i kind of lose track of time and can kind of just focus on on what i need to do um so yeah i, I feel excited and, and blessed that i've now got it to a place where i wanted to get to um and that was one of my things to tick off the list for 2021 so uh yeah it was a bit of a proud moment when that did happen epic um is this is there anything it's changed about how you paint i guess it doesn't allow you to does it change anything about your practice or change any of the ways you operate it hasn't changed the way i operate um i think it changes the perception of what people think i think if you um uh, go on someone's profile on whatever social media and you see that they're operating out of their bedroom you kind of automatically assume that it's a different kind of level as to if someone's got their own kind of studio set up and a lot of opportunities have come off the back i think of kind of leveling up just generally across the board using better materials having a studio now like it's been a combination of things and i continue and want to continue to do that um so that yeah i you know if you're going to level up you need to level up as well um personally you know so so yes yes and no if that makes any sort of sense yeah makes complete sense um and yeah the point around upgrading in terms of materials and stuff i feel like when you made the transition to oil paint that uh dude your paintings like i was i first first ones i saw i was like these are so sick this is like unbelievably like a photograph basically and like the level over since even we spoke i feel like has blown up ridiculously even more so of like the the detail and the like how photorealistic it looks how much difference did the materials you're using make for that yeah so i guess uh, for those that don't know like oil paint makes uh, the paint a lot more malleable so you can uh, you can blend the paint a lot easier and move it around a lot easier than um, you otherwise would be able to do um and so uh, by doing that, um, it's meant that I've been able to, yeah, I guess make it um, look more realistic because there's much more blending of like the the uh, m- much more graded lines that were there before. I, I even look at my work now and still think that there's loads to improve on, but I can feel myself getting better with each painting and, and keep trying to improve and whatnot so yeah we're on the right path I th- i'm really pleased with how my paintings come out now um but i look back um at the progress and, it, and it's it's quite cool to see you know yeah for sure i can imagine it's it's satisfying because yeah some of these paintings now just literally look like photographs it's pretty epic oh that's kind of you man <laughs> that is quite easy to say yeah i mean uh, i you know talk about leveling up that was all part of it because I know that even from this point I know that I've got another level um even now I can see in the brush strokes where I want to blend it a bit more and whatnot but sometimes I think to actually sustain yourself uh, you know if you're actually going to run it as a business you just need to get content out sometimes and 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 works out there um and I think that I've uh, been able to improve so much because I've been able to relax in terms of that perfectionism and just let things be and then you'll just move on to the next thing and, and that's helped more so so change of topic um one thing that's i think probably wasn't even something that existed last time we spoke um but where you have been a, a dominating force uh, in more recent times is clubhouse and then i guess even more recently twitter spaces um and we touched about this before we started recording but Talk to me a bit about that, how you sort of started off there and, and what things have been like there for you. So this time last year, um, kind of January 2021, I kept on hearing about this thing called Clubhouse, which was like an audio network. So imagine like 
talks going like you know you're going into a classroom of people but there's a load of different classrooms going on, on all at the same time and you can dip out and listen to the audio and participate in conversations in multiple rooms um and i kept hearing about it and then finally i managed to get an invite because it was an invite only platform and i was like oh my god this is mad because um you could quite quickly find the art community um or your community whether you're into football or whatever and it was a place where you were getting some huge huge names come onto the platform like you could be in a room with uh, with Gary Vaynerchuk or or um Tony Robbins was on there for for a little bit like you could be in the room and talk to these people kind of um on stage and stuff and it was kind of mad but what it did for me over, over the course of the year is I ended up creating a club which is like a um a reoccurring room basically and i was able to get some of the biggest kind of i guess thought leaders in the art space together and so i was learning just out of curiosity how the gallery system works behind the scenes and and nfts kind of come to fruition over that period of time as well and so it was just a a place to connect with people all in one space uh that are in the art um in the art space and in the art world because like for example if you're on instagram at the moment and you wanted to find art people, you can type in art, but it's still very difficult to kind of all meet, to meet, uh, to, to still seek a specific uh, group of people, if that makes sense. It's like kind of, if you hear about someone and whatnot, and, but Clubhouse facilitates meeting a lot of people at one time. And so that was really great to kind of learn more about the art world. You mentioned sort of the, the big names and the, the you know, bringing together of the art community who are some of the some of the most exciting people but be it because they were sort of super interesting or because they were super famous whatever it is who are some of the the interesting people you've interacted with through through clubhouse you know what i, I, I mean there's been some, some some wicked people that you've connected with but i tell you what the, the the most interesting thing about the platform is meeting people that you would necessarily come into contact with so for example there's a guy called uh, john sharples on the app and on Twitter Spaces, and he is an art lawyer. There's only a few of them in the whole country, and he just so happened to be on the app. I haven't, well, until recently had any issues in terms of legality, but if I did, then, you know, I could now consider him a friend and I can reach out to him. And it's, it's connections like that that, in the normal world, I would never come into contact with an art lawyer or um, someone from um, high up at Christie's or, you know, uh, this auction house or, or a gallery art fair director and, and people like that that I just would never have access to. You kind of meet these people and that's what's been most interesting. Um, and like I said before, the kind of the biggest thing to come from Clubhouse and I, that is why I will be forever grateful for the app is that eventually I managed to get into NFTs and, and just spent hours and hours learning about what this thing was towards the end of last year. Yeah, and that's that's going to be probably my next topic of conversation. But a few more, a few more questions on Clubhouse first. Um, first one would be like biggest lessons you've learned through the platform. Um, networking. Um, I kept, I keep telling people. I mean, it's kind of died out now a bit in terms of um, the reach, and there's not many people, as many people that go on it anymore. But even now, Twitter Spaces, which is the same as Clubhouse, basically, it, you just build up so much more of an authentic say, uh, sorry, connection with someone when you hear their voice. Like we're talking now, and I can obviously see you as well. But like when you speak to someone like that, it, it resonates so much more than if you're putting out a post and you're just replying to a comment. Um, and so it's been an amazing opportunity to, to network. Um, so yeah, networking is, is the main thing I've taken from it and I would advise to other people as well. Nice. And I saw you had, um, I don't know how to pronounce the second name, Magnus Resch. Resch, Resch. Yeah, I mean, Magnus is a TED Talk speaker. I've done a few interviews with him and myself on, on, in my club and, and whatnot. And, and yeah, I mean, even that conversation alone, like he literally wrote a book about how to become a successful artist. <laughs> Not only is the book very good, but speaking to the guy, you can understand why it's a top-selling book and why he's been able to do the things that he does. He's, he's like an art critic, 
um, for those that don't know. But he's a he's a fairly big deal in the art world, and so um, yeah, it's, it's people like that that you would well, I would never have con contact with in my life. So um, it's been able to facilitate those types of uh, conversations. Epic. Um, and you mentioned there sort of the potential sort of dwindling numbers, but I think. I mean, it seems like there's definitely still a, a solid community of people there. Any advice for someone who might have not been active on Clubhouse or on Twitter Spaces before about sort of how to go about getting involved and getting active there? Yeah, for sure. I think that Clubhouse, even now, is still a place where you can build up uh, the greatest connection because it's a lot more intimate than Twitter Spaces. Twitter Spaces is, is a platform where it feels very much like there's a stage and the audience and you're speaking to an audience. Whereas Clubhouse feels like it's a lot more of a conversation and it's just friends chatting. Um, so that's probably the difference. But even now, I would say start on Clubhouse, get to know people in that space. And then depending on what you're trying to do, and let's just say you are trying to get into NFTs, then Twitter Spaces is definitely the place you want to be. But if you're just looking for genuine connections with people that love art or, or, or anything, like any, literally any topic, you can meet very like-minded people on that app still. So NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Um, yeah. I think again, a, a first for the podcast. I think this is the first mention of NFTs potentially on the podcast because that's how long it's been since since season one ended. Um, talk to me about how. I guess first of all, like how you sort of first got exposed. It sounds like it was probably through Clubhouse, but what your first thoughts were about it and how you sort of initially started to learn about it, started to to dip your toes into those waters. Yeah, so, so for the longest time on Clubhouse, I run the room um, and we got quite, I mean, we're one of the biggest art clubs on Clubhouse, um, which is amazing in itself, that's active still. Um, and I was meeting all these kind of people from the traditional art world, just out of genuine curiosity, like I said, in terms of, I was thinking about putting my work into a gallery eventually, and so I wanted to find out something. Uh, in the very beginning, like kind of early last year, 2021, not many people knew what NFTs were and, and the kind of people that I surround myself with on that app just were poo-pooing basically NFTs. They didn't want to hear about it. it they thought it was a scam, but it was a bit of a joke. Um, and then slowly, slowly, as people kept on talking about it, kept on talking about it, towards the end of last year, it kind of finally clicked that, wait a minute, this NFT thing isn't going anywhere and it's actually a way for artists to really do some damage. Um, and really, uh, one, make a name for them, also financially secure themselves um, and just do some really cool stuff with, with a platform, um, the blockchain that's not been possible before. So it took a while to get into it, but slowly, slowly, everyone is coming around to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess, what was your process like of going from hearing about these things, starting to understand them to, to then ultimately sort of releasing your own first collection? I think it was just the repetition of hearing it again and again. I was on Clubhouse every day for a year. Uh, and I was just going into rooms, uh, running my own rooms, and this NFT thing just kept coming, up, kept coming up. And there was a couple of people on Clubhouse that just broke it finally down into a much simpler way that I could understand what an NFT was. And in the beginning, there was people that were almost, not geeky, because they were nice people, but like they were speaking in language like blockchain and, and minting and stuff like that. I like, didn't have a clue what they were talking about. And so it was quite daunting. And I, I shouldn't have, because I should have got into it much earlier and would have made a lot more from it But uh, at that time. But, but uh, it kind of, when a few people started breaking it down uh, in a lot more layman's terms as to what it was, I then understood, and then I sat on it still for another kind of four or five months after that because I didn't know how to release. Because there was, in the traditional art world, even now, there's still a lot of concerns about one, security of the blockchain, and two, um, if you're a traditional artist representing it by a gallery, uh, they're worried about, one, uh, releasing on the right platform so that you're seen at a certain level, mm -hmm. but also... If you're a traditional artist uh, in, in the you know in the gallery system, it doesn't really carry much weight in the NFT world. So if you're an artist that say sells paintings for 10, 20, 30, 40 grand or whatever, if you're you know established artist in one of these kind of 
you know, uh, mid-tier galleries or whatnot, you don't want to be selling your NFTs. If, if you put up an NFT and then it doesn't sell, well, it's crystal clear because of the blockchain as to what the value of your work actually is. And so if there's that huge disparity, that is what is kind of stopping some of those people from entering the space. Um, but yeah, I think the second part of your question was, how did I then get into it? Like I said, I just took advice from some really knowledgeable people that I got to know on the app. And that's why I say about Clubhouse, because those people are not only some of the biggest thought leaders in the space, in NFTs, but they also just talked me through how to release my own NFT, uh, which I did at the end of last year. And to a resounding sellout success, which is an important note as well. I was so, I wasn't nervous, but I, there was so much pressure. I think there's so much pressure on artists to sell out their first works on that platform because what you're effectively saying or what people are doing at the moment is looking for the next artist that they're going to be able to flip. Unfortunately, a lot of the space is kind of filled by people that, yes, like art, but are kind of there to make the money. And so if you don't sell out, it becomes difficult to then really uh, work your secondary market and bring the floor price up. So the cost of your work, the lowest cost of your work to bring that up. Because if you don't sell out, it shows that there's not even enough people in the first place to buy at the level that you, um, that you set the price at. Makes sense. And I guess advice for people how to sell NFTs, because I have a collection that hasn't sold out. I've still got three to sell. Any advice for how to go about getting the getting those sales over the line or and I, I guess marketing in general for an NFT project? Yeah, well, I'll say a couple of things. I think as well, some of the traditional art world and a lot of artists are not used to actually marketing themselves so heavily. Yes, you've had Instagram and whatnot, but it's so difficult now to get reach on that platform. Uh, that you can't really hit anyone unless you have a huge, huge audience. And I think that people from the traditional art world are having to become salesmen and marketers to really succeed in the NFT space, which is daunting in itself because it, it's really hard. And so I, I wouldn't say I was lucky because I spent every day on Clubhouse, but I didn't realize that what I was doing was building up connections with actual collectors that were in the space who then went on to go and buy my work and I mean, it was only kind of literally a smaller, small proportion of people from Instagram that actually bought my stuff because most people don't really still understand what NFTs are or what they mean. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, my advice to anyone who's looking to release a project would be to just start like, I end up going with editions and so I put up about 100 um, NFTs and I just sold them at a really low price. I priced them at 0.03, which was about £100. And um, the cost of gas, the, the cost of actually putting it onto the blockchain was about £100 as well. So all in, it was about £200, which in the space is quite low. And so I started off really low because I didn't know what I was doing, basically. And I was like, well, look, I want to offer value and have as many people collect my work as possible. And so if I go at a nice low price point, then that will help that happen. And so... I was thinking about doing like a one-of-one, -one, you know, like work and putting it higher, but I was like, no, no, let me just sample the space. And fortunately I was able to kind of sell out and, and, and do that and sell out my second one as well, which was kind of mad as well. Um, what's, what's next for Lawrence in the NFT space? Is it? Yeah. So you can, is it planned or? I'm nearly finished with this queen painting in the background. Yeah. Um, but I'm doing nine paintings for my first ever show. And so each of those artworks are going to be uh, turned into NFTs. Funny enough, I had them photo uh, photographed today. Uh, they will be turned into NFTs and I'll be selling those um, as additions as well on the 20th of um, February. So I'm excited. But I feel like there's even more pressure to sell out your second because it's now you need to keep that momentum. So I'm not sure if that will ever go. But yeah, I'm kind of um, under pressure as such, which is why I'm spending so much time you know, talking to people like yourself, uh, being on Clubhouse, being on Twitter Spaces to kind of get my message out there and, and people to kind of resonate with what I'm doing so that I can sell out, you know? For sure. I'm excited for the for the upcoming show and, and NFT release. I'll definitely uh, be trying to snag one before they sell out because I'm confident. I back you, man. I think they'll definitely sell out. You reckon? Um, yeah. I do, yeah. I do. 
Um, <laughs> any other sort of big lessons you've learned in the NFT space through your release, through any conversations you've had, anything, any other sort of interesting tidbits you can share? Um, I don't think that people really understand what an NFT is or what it's going to do for everything. NFTs is like, a, it's going to be in everything we do. And when I mean that, I'm talking about the, um, the, the smart contract effectively that you're writing when you do it. So <clears throat> one of the best things about this whole um, NFT space is that one artist can actually receive royalties. So for example, if all my NFTs are sold out, so now if they sell on to another person, because it's all recorded on the blockchain, if that thing gets sold on to another buyer who really wants a piece of, uh, Bob Marley that I did, I then get a 10% royalty every time that sells on. That's something that's never been really been able to happen uh, prior. Um, and uh, secondly, what's going to be really cool, I think, coming up in the space is that you can add utility to, uh, well, I mean, it's happening already, but, you know, I'm talking about myself personally. What would be cool is that holders of your NFT, you can kind of see all of them on the blockchain and you can see who owns your stuff. And so, you know, when I work out exactly how I want to do things, it will give access to um, people and things that, sorry, it will give access to things that I want to give to my audience, if that makes sense. So I might be like, cool, if you hold an NFT, you'll get 10 minutes to go through marketing and strategy or whatever, if you want to make it as an artist, or, you know, you can come down to the studio if you're a collector and actually see it in person. Like, there's going to be that kind of cool stuff that you can do all with this technology. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be exciting to watch it develop because I feel like right now we're sort of at, you know, I don't know, the early days of the internet when it was, you know, terrible faff mm-hmm. to try and get online and all that sort of stuff. Like things like crazy high gas fees and how sort of clunky a lot of the, the tech is. Um, I think it's really... It's going to be crazy to see how much it develops in the next five, ten years, I think. Yeah, I mean, even just over the last year, it's been crazy. Um, I would advise that people will hear about these kind of 10,000 projects and, you know, these huge projects which are selling like thousands and thousands of pieces of digital artwork. And I would say steer away from that because uh, that space is quite saturated. And I would have a much more longer term focus on what you want to do with your NFTs if you're an artist. Um, because I think that a lot of projects are going to fail because um, they're just in it to basically get as much money as possible. Um, and I think the time for that, where you could just kind of put up any old picture of a cow or whatever, <laughs> or any animal and create 10,000 of them has kind of passed. And so then only a bit more kind of thought as to yeah for sure and i i'm kind of a weird like i mean it'll obviously be shit in some ways where people are losing money etc but like i'm a i'm a little bit secretly kind of excited i mean it's not much of a secret if i'm talking about it on a podcast but secretly excited about um when there's a great big crash because i feel like we might be able to afford some of the things that have gotten because i'm i'm so bullish and so confident in the long term of it that I feel like when everything crashes, mm-hmm. all the actually good quality projects will crash too. And that's going to be a buying opportunity for like, if you're looking at a longer time horizon. So I think that's going to be an interesting time when a lot of people are paper handsing, as they say, to be trying to pick up some bargains when things go on sale. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the cool projects, I mean, I remember I was speaking to a friend about this project called the doodles, and I love the artwork. It's just simple, nice, colourful cartoon type thing. And at the time, I was thinking about picking one up, and it was about two e, which is about, which is mental to say, is about six grand in itself, and two e is obviously a lot of money for a lot of people. And I was like, cool. And I was trying to make this offer to a guy who I kind of know, and I was trying to get him to sell it to me. He was saying more like three, which is obviously like at the time another like two, three grand, which is was out of my my kind of budget. Since then, that project is now worth like 24 ETH floor. So like the lowest it can go for is about 75 grand or something like that. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't have 75 grand or just knocking about to spend on a, um, on a, uh, on a picture. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it, it's kind of a lot of the bigger projects are maybe a little bit out of reach, but yeah, like you said, I will be trying to maybe scoop up a couple of bits and pieces. Um, I've got a couple, but like nothing significant at the moment. So yeah, when that does happen, I'll, I'll, I'll be trying to pick up a few bits, probably like yourself. Love us. Yeah. Nas buying a V friend is probably one of my biggest life regrets oh. ever. I mean, it's mental. I literally was in the car and I wasn't, I was nearly, I was about a month away from really submerging myself in the NFT space. And I was just doing my, my learning basically. And yeah. it was, I think it was the day before or two days before Gary V was minting his first collection. And for, for those that don't know, his first V friends were about $2,000 um, in fiat terms. And there's, and now the, the cheapest you can buy any V friend is 40 grand, like $40,000, sorry. Um, so yeah, that was a fundamental miss. And you've got people, by the way, that were collecting loads of them. So there's people out there that have, just like the board at Yacht Club, some of the rooms that I was going in onto Clubhouse, they were, they were giving them away at some point and people were picking up like 0.07 ETH, which was 300 quid to 800 quid. They were giving away. Now those same apes are worth millions. <clears throat> so, but who was to know at the time, you know? But yeah, I definitely knew enough at the time to probably get one uh, of Gary V's things, but knowing what I know now, it was a fundamental miss because, uh, yeah, he's smashed it. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was, I listened to his hype, I believed him. I was like, oh, this seems like pretty legit like he seems pretty confident here and he's never seemed this confident and been wrong in all my history of seeing him speak about things and I put my money it was like a lot of my money into ETH and then the price of ETH went from like three thousand dollars to four thousand dollars in the space of like a week while I had all this money in ETH and I was like and then the first day when things dropped it was like seems like they weren't they weren't selling super fast because it was like that Dutch auction format and yeah. so I got spooked by that and the fact that I'd made all this money already and I was like, oh, I'm just going to take this money back. Yeah, take, and right. Now I'm deeply regretting it, but... Um, yeah, and, and by the way, I think that as we go... Well, no, just a general note on NFTs. If you are investing in NFTs, I would do some, uh, some due diligence and, and invest in and buy projects or buy from artists that you believe are going to be there for 10 years, I think it would be a bit of a miss to just kind of jump into stuff, unless you really like the art, in which case, yeah, buy whatever you want. But like I said, I think there is going to be a bit of a, a crypto winter where, you know, all this kind of boom time and this gold rush is going to kind of flush out. And so um, that will be the time, one, to pick up stuff, but also those people that are kind of in the space and not just an artist, and you're hearing about all these people that are suddenly artists and whatnot, um, coming into space, that will flush all those types of people out because the money won't be there, or as much money, sorry. Yeah. And they'll be on to the next thing. But yeah, if you're, I'd say, that's why myself is a good bet because <laughs> you're not, you know, I'm not going anywhere and I've been doing it for a while. Whereas some of this stuff that I'm seeing is not only crap art, but, you know, it's, it's people paying someone on Fiverr or Upwork to go and create them a couple of PFP project, uh, you know, some digital images and then just selling it and, and literally selling as well, which, which is the mad thing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting space. It's a definitely the wild west at the moment. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see where things go, but I think it's, yeah. Like you said, I think in some form it'll definitely be around for many years in the future. It just won't, it just won't be 10,000 random cows or whatever. So a lot of yeah. those things will just go to zero. But I mean, what's so exciting for artists like you and me is that you've now got another source of income. So obviously you sell the original. You should, well, not you should, but I sell prints of my work as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that's done well. And now you can sell NFTs. And NFTs, oh, I mean, this, this is our basic things were. I couldn't get my head around that. People see an NFT as valuable, if not more valuable, than an original painting. 
you know, granted I did edition, so I did multiples of one thing, which obviously then keeps the price a lot lower. Um, but if I was to produce a one-of-one one NFT, so there was just one of them, I mean, I could literally sell it for the same price, if not more, than I would sell an original artwork piece. And so if you, and, and by the way, a lot of the NFT world don't literally don't care that there's an original. They only just want the digital. Oh. <laughs> um, and so, that's the timer. Uh, and so you've got like a, another big revenue stream um, which you can sustain yourself as, as a business effectively, you know? Uh, and that's what's exciting um, about the space if you, can, if you can do it right, you know? For sure. Um, so another, another pivot in, in topic, um, another thing that's, I've, I've, it's been interesting to watch since we last spoke is you've been ramping up, uh, sort of starting to do some work with different brands. So I wanted to chat a bit about that, how some of those things came about. I think the two that I'm thinking of are the big ones, Hobbycraft and the big one, Rolls Royce. Um, I guess maybe start with Hobbycraft, how that came about, what that sort of entailed, and you know what? Weirdly enough, I, I, I signed a contract with a with a um, uh, a company called uh, Threads, and that is actually bigger than all of those put together. Nice. Which is, uh, but we'll come on to that in a moment, I guess. But um, Hobbycraft is is a bit of a mad one because I've been using their products for ages. Um, and yeah, there's, by the way, there's been some, some, some items that I've kind of leveled up and you can't necessarily get them all, unfortunately, from Hobbycraft, but you can get loads of stuff that I do use from them. And it was always kind of like a reaching out, reaching out to like try and, you know, do a collab or whatever. And weirdly, I, I don't know, because I was just putting out so much content over the year, uh, one of the um, girls, a lovely uh, girl called Alice, she reached out to me and was actually the one who... Um, who contacted me after all the time actually reaching out they never saw any of those messages and they reached out to me which was mad um and at the time they wanted me to do a um uh a painting and all they wanted to, was the content and so england had just got knocked out of the um euros and so i did a piece of the three lions um saka um rashford and sancho um, and that did really well for them. It became their highest viewed uh, video on, on Instagram, which was amazing. Um, and because it done so well, that led to then another collaboration with Hobbycraft for Black History Month. And so I was able, or they wanted me to paint a, a uh, icon for the represent Black History Month. And, and so that kind of led to the second commission. And, and I'm lucky to say that they sponsored me with some of my bits. And so they sent me like um, quite a bit of my supplies and stuff, you know? Epic. That's a that's a solid achievement. That's their most viewed uh, Instagram video. That's, uh, that's a well, yeah. I, well, not brag, but like I was so pleased because I, again I put a lot more pressure myself to to do well. That my second video also was then the second highest rated video as well. So it was like kind of a bit of a mad one. But I think it was just the the particular style that I did the video in just seemed to kind of hit and and yeah, it was um, it done it done really well. Luckily, fire. Uh, Rolls Royce next. That's a what a what an iconic brand and uh, what epic cars you've been featuring in your in your Instagram stories of late. How did that one come about? I mean, again, it, like, <laughs> I, and weirdly enough, um, I'm I'm about to. There's the painting there. I'm about to go to um, to Goodwood, which is where the um, Rolls Royce plant is, mm -hmm. on Friday to drop it off to the collector um and do that which is it literally is mad to say it but um yeah there was um a lady called isabel who uh, again really really nice lady um she just reached out to me on instagram and that and and people wonder why i post so much it is literally for opportunities like this and just a general awareness of what i'm doing on linkedin tiktok like just good stuff happens when you reach a lot of, more and more people um and she just she reached out and um she wanted a piece of artwork for the release of a new car. Uh, sorry, no, the opening of a new showroom that they've got in Mayfair. And so I created this painting, um, which then went on to be sold uh, for charity, um, but to one of their collectors, you know, one of their car collectors. Um, and so on Friday, I'm going to give it to him and, and, and hand over the cheque to um, 
to uh, the charity. Amazing. Um, and how how are the cars to drive? That's the the one I have to ask. <laughs> it's literally a joke. Like the looks you get, and and I, I, I never want it to look. By the way, on my social media, like I own the cars as much. Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I try to be as clear as possible. That like obviously I don't necessarily think that anyone would assume that I could afford it just yet, but like I share in the excitement of driving them just as much as maybe someone watching it who might be a fan of my work. Um, but yeah, the, the cars are like unbelievable, and I've, I've been invited to a couple of their influencer events and stuff like that, which has helped put me in a new circle of people because like what the painting eventually sold for 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 this guy to me is a huge amount of money. To this guy, it's literally pocket change. And for me, being around those type of people is a complete mind shift. Yeah. Um, so that has been the biggest blessing out of the whole thing. It's like, no, nah, the, the elite do think in different, a different type of way, you know? For sure, yeah. Got to get in some more of those circles myself. It's definitely the places to, places to be operating. Exactly. <laughs> um, talk to yeah. me about threads. Yeah, so so this has been probably the most lucrative because, like I said, that that piece for and I'll be transparent. Like as as much as it looks like it's going well on the ground and stuff, that that painting is actually uh, a free painting, but actually sold for charity, and all the money goes to charity. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather have that ten grand in my pocket. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but um, but like I said, what come from that is the connections that I've made, which has been amazing. And some of those people will be at my show. Um, later on in the month but with threads um it's uh amazing and i won't get into the specifics of 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 money but it's very lucrative in terms of effectively they are a personal shopper and so they deal with a lot of clients over in the middle east and what they do is they help clients source whatever they want so a client might go oh i want a versace bag or a louis vuitton holder or something that's really hard to get hold of and they'll go and source it for them because they've got their network of personal shoppers that have their contacts and blah 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 and they'll get in so what will happen is that um with this company uh, their clients might go i'm really looking for a piece of artwork for a birthday i'm one of their artists that they've now signed and so they will show them uh, my portfolio of work um, and if they like the style and what I do, they'll then be like, cool, can you do this, blah, blah, blah. And then you negotiate what it is they want. And, and from there, you get the, um, the commission. Awesome. That sounds very exciting. Sounds like another way to get into some good circles, I presume. Yeah. And I think it speaks to what I want to be doing, which is maybe doing some, some work, one in the Middle East. I, I've got this, my brother just got weird and I've got a job in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to do to level up again and maybe do some paintings out there, stay out there for a little bit or um, go to America, New York. I love, love, love that place. Just do a short stint, but kind of go and paint for some of the well-off people out there. And I think that collaborations like Rolls Royce, like Threads kind of puts you in those circles to do that, you know? For sure. Any other, any other brands you've got your eye on or you like dream brands you'd love to work with someday? Not, not necessarily dream brand because I genuinely don't think you can get bigger than Rolls Royce in terms of what I'm yeah. trying to. Do. Not that they're going to be asking for paintings every day, but like in terms of doing something with a brand, that's probably one that would be well up there. Um, I think what I'm going to look to do though is work with a lot more kind of prestigious brands because I've really enjoyed doing client work like that as opposed to you know um, a painting for a family or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Just because it's something new, something a little bit different. And so I'd love to do a little bit more of that with brands of that kind of ilk, like that kind of standard, you know? Definitely, that makes sense. And yeah, it doesn't come much bigger than, than Rolls-Royce, all right. Um, what no. I have on the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we touched briefly a few minutes ago on your very exciting first solo show um, that's upcoming. I guess, first of all, Give us the details. How can people get there and, and see your work in person? Yeah, sure. So um, the show is my first ever solo. Well, first ever show, but and it's also my first ever solo show. And what I like about it is that it's going to be in a setting that's not a normal gallery. It's in a hotel, which sounds a little bit weird. But when you see the space, it's like a 
it's like a secret inside bar and it's like a rainforest and it's it's uh, the space is honestly wicked and i can't wait to show people because when you say hotel it sounds a bit stuffy but you know when you're saying about collaborations and stuff Mm-hmm. this particular uh, is another collaboration you know like high-end hotels um, is the kind of thing that I want to be doing so just more of the same basically but yeah like I said sorry uh, so on the 17th um, I'm then in a three-month residency at the um, hotel and so those nine artworks of female icons that I spoke about earlier will be exhibited there um, and so for three months you'll be able to go into the hotel free of charge and go in and see the work although on the 17th, which is the launch night, that is invite only. So that is um, a guest list of kind of press influencers, a couple of celebrities um, that are going to be there to kind of, I guess, try and get maximum exposure for, for, for what we're Epic. Yeah, that sounds very exciting. What, what was the driving force behind the female icons as sort of the subject matter for the, the show? Yeah, so um, as it's getting closer and closer to that, I've been getting asked that question quite a lot. And it kind of boils down to, I call myself a social media artist because I literally, all of my commissions, all of my work comes through social media. And I, and I love social media in itself. And it got pointed out to me um, a good few months back that I hadn't done enough female icons. I love painting icons and, and people that have made it to the top of their respective fields. And someone pointed out that you haven't done a lot of females. And I was like, oh my God, no, I haven't. And so that got me thinking. I was like, oh, well, look, let's champion women. Um, uh, and so I come up with the idea of painting women from across the decades that have been significant in history in their, like I said, their respective fields. But what was um, different about this project is that all along the way, I've been getting my audience involved in the process. So each of the paintings that I've painted, so Marilyn Monroe, um, Frida Kahlo, Oprah, these are all paintings that my audience have asked and suggested for, um, and suggested, sorry. So that's kind of how I've put the show together. Um, and then obviously each icon in, it, in their own right has done amazing things for women um, and been amazingly successful um, over, over time. Yeah, um, and some what a collection of of female icons you've got. I feel like there's a what a cross section of of culture and but, of industries and everything. Yeah, like even even today, uh, I've, I've got like I said, I've got to finish the, the painting of the queen, um, and then I've still got one more painting to do. So I put something up on my Instagram story earlier today, um, just asking what painting, or, or, or sorry, of who should I paint the last one and so whoever they decide i'll be painting that person so i'll go out source an image um and then yeah that'll be the final piece for the show uh which is now a couple of weeks away well depending on when this goes out but yeah 17th of of february 17th of february what's the name of the hotel again south place hotel which is um just off uh liverpool street station it's literally like a a two-minute walk if that so um yeah, it would be amazing for as many people to try and get down there as possible. And what I'm going to try and do is not necessarily do a signing or whatever, but like it'd be nice to meet some some of the people that have actually suggested the project to actually go down and meet some of the people that follow me on social media uh, to, to go and meet them in person as well. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's walking distance from where I live. So we'll have to we'll have to take this digital friendship and put it in, in real life at some point. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I'm excited to see. I'm excited. <laughs> also, it sounds like an epic um, space. I'm excited to see how it looks. Yeah, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm nervous, excited. I think I get in the same feeling just like before um, selling my first lot of NFTs. I am putting so much. Um, I'm going to say it. Uh, I'm putting so much focus on press that the idea from this is to become verified on Instagram. Nice. Media. <clears throat> Um, so I'm literally contacting every single celeb influencer that I know to try and get them to the event um, because one, a lot of them are friends, but um, also as well because they'll help bring exposure. And I think that thinking like a business is what we spoke about last time on the podcast. I keep thinking about exposure, exposure, exposure. And, and so this, this uh, show will be a combination of literally three years of work with people that I've met from over about nine years 
in the industry and stuff. So I'm excited to kind of see all them people in one space and also um, to try and, like I said, accomplish this uh, holy grail of verification. <laughs> verification. <laughs> um, exciting announcement today, also on your Instagram, that the BBC are going to be covering the show. How did that come about? That's, uh, that's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, it's... Um, I've been speaking to this, uh, there's two, there's these two guys, I think they're twins, um, they're all brothers at least anyway. Um, and they've been looking at my work and, and it turns out, for artists out there, you need to have a hook on your work. And for the longest time, I haven't really had anything for them to be able to um, write a story on. But actually now having a show in a London venue that now gives them the opportunity to, uh, and myself the opportunity to, to do something where they can come down and actually write something about it and film something about the event, as opposed to, oh, you're just in your bedroom, you know, doing a painting for a client for, for Joe Blogs down the road, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, they've kind of finally okay today that they're gonna come down and do some filming. It's actually a couple of days before that they're gonna do the interview and, and the piece and whatnot, but I'm so, so excited and, and so lucky that that's going ahead because I do think that's it's going to change the profile a little bit, you know? For sure. Um, yeah, it's a pretty epic one. Um, I guess your experience, obviously it hasn't happened yet, but your experiences so far of like setting up and planning the show and everything, any lessons you've learned as part of that process, any advice you'd have for people who might be, again, sort of considering looking to... to to stand up a show or something like that. Yeah, get get a manager, get a, or get an assistant. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, she is amazing, and she, without her, I would literally wouldn't be able to do it because I'm so spending so much time doing the paintings and and you know Instagram posts and blah blah, blah that dealing with anything with show and commercial deals and blah blah blah. She's able to deal with all that stuff. Um, because I otherwise wouldn't have a time to, to do that. But um, um, I, I've placed, a like I said, a specific emphasis on getting the right people there um, from the press, like I said, the right friends and, and family and stuff like that. So that would be my main takeaways. And then, in fact, the biggest thing is actually leave yourself a lot more time than you think you will need to get ready for a show, because I'm finding that two, three months is just not enough time to get everything done uh, where you can do things in a, a civilized manner, <laughs> shall we say? <laughs> Love it. Um, I've got some random, random notes I wrote down. One thing I was sort of thinking about as you were talking, a few different things is I think one of the things we talked about last time um, <coughs> was around sort of taking time to stop and and appreciate how far you've come. So is that something you're doing any of and is that something you you are appreciating because i feel like you definitely should be no <laughs> like i mean yeah but it sounded good in practice uh, but no all jokes aside i think that i've been working i can genuinely say this is the hardest i've ever worked to get something done and i want it so bad that like it's kind of pushed me through and i think that once this show is done and then all my nfts are hopefully sold um and my prints have been put out once, after the 20th of this month, when all that stuff is done and dusted, I'm literally just going to take some time to just chill out just for, for, for a time and, and then really appreciate because I just haven't had the time since we last spoke. It's just been go, 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 go. And it's kind of led to everything that's happened. But there's been no point where I've been able to be like, oh my God, you've come this far or you've done that or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I think that will be the time, the first time that I'll be able to do that. Love it. Well, let me be the first to say that like, you you definitely deserve to take some of that time because I think like even like I said since since the last time we spoke, man, the the progress in terms of the quality of the paintings, which were already insane, and how much those have improved, like wh how far you've come in your own studio now, about to have your own show, sold out your first uh, NFT collection. I think you're. I think once you get the time, I hope you take some time to appreciate how far you've come because it's it's been. Um, exciting and motivating to watch um so i definitely have appreciated uh, watching it from a distance no thanks man i think i think that 
as a kind of, I guess, do the press tour as such, you know, getting doing podcasts like these and stuff and, and people that have been kind of, I guess, following or seeing bits and pieces of what I've been doing, they're kind of talking back to me about stuff that's come up and they've seen and, and then almost that's the kind of, oh my God, like, oh, that happened and that happened and, and yeah, I, I just, I feel lucky um, and the hard work seems to be paying off um, and hopefully it will kind of keep paying off until the 20th of this month. <laughs> <laughs> and for a long time after, I'm sure. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Uh, this next question is a complete flip side of that of that whole um, ethos, I guess, of of taking time to stop and appreciate. But what are the what are the goals for you for the rest of twenty twenty two? What are you looking ahead to for the rest of this year after obviously this major uh, milestone in February? I think. I'm looking forward to what can happen because I do think that this show is going to change my profile. And so I, I am looking forward to seeing what opportunity, I don't know what that looks like, but you know, collaborations, you know, special commissions, that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where that side of things can go. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into more into the NFT space um, in terms of releasing more NFTs and maybe actually creating more digital works that have actually been produced digitally rather than a picture of a original piece of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I really like my ultimate goal for all of this is to get to a point and to be fair, I'm, I'm fairly close to be fair. Like I don't have much stock left. Obviously I've got all the paintings for the show, but they can't be sold until, you know, mm-hmm. and, until, until that's done. But I want to get to a point where as soon as I've put the paintbrush down on a painting, it's sold or even before. Um, and so ultimately that, that is my goal. I call, and I call that freedom. Um, so that would be when we speak in a year's time again, that is hopefully what will be achieved. But, um, um, but yeah, in the, in the meantime, um, yeah, uh, it's keep working hard to try and hopefully get to that point. Epic. Um, I guess any any last parting words of wisdom for I guess I think aspiring artists is the obvious group, but I guess any also anyone just looking to to grow their presence on social media and put out content. Any advice for anyone in those areas? Um. Yeah, I think why I'm looking so forward to just having some. Uh, a time to step away from things after the 20th and just kind of maybe ease up is because I've been going so hard on platforms like Clubhouse, like Twitter Spaces, like Instagram. Um, and like I said, it is working, but I think that where there are so many platforms now, it can be overwhelming to have to produce enough content if you don't have a team of people behind you for each platform. If this is the way you're going to choose to run your art practice, I mean, there are plenty of people that go into a gallery and all that kind of stuff, but I don't particularly want to be giving up 50% of everything I sell to, to a gallery at this point. But I would pick the platforms that you feel you can do best on or that you know where your audience is and focus on those platforms rather than trying to be a master of, of all of them because you'll burn yourself out by doing that um, if it's just you and you're doing it properly. Um, like, I mean, just Instagram alone, that could take you like all day to do that properly. Uh, you know, seven to 15 stories a day, a post a day, replying to all the comments, going back to DMs, like that's a job in itself, let alone posting to LinkedIn, to TikTok, you know, producing video content for that. You know, so I would say just focus on, on, on platforms you feel like are going to be most beneficial. Makes sense. Yeah. Have you ever explored Pinterest? That's one that's always been on my radar to get into, but I've never really. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. I think if, uh, yeah, no, I've heard about it. Uh, of course I've heard about it, but I hear that does well. If I was to advise any artist coming into the space, I would still use Instagram. Although I think that at some point Instagram will not be the culture. There'll be a new one. Decentralized social media is coming. Um, but anyway, I'd go for Instagram, which is obviously where you can show your art in picture form. I'd go for Twitter Spaces and or Clubhouse, which is where you can learn and build your uh, clientele 
for, for NFTs. And then I would also focus on either LinkedIn or I focus a lot on my text community. So my, uh, I have a, uh, a bunch of broadcast lists of people that I am able to contact directly because I have their primary data and I focus on kind of that, a one-off text every week, every, every two couple of weeks, just showing them what's going on in my studio. And that helps really build up a relationship with collectors and that kind of hits the print kind of front. So you've got originals, Instagram, NFTs, Twitter spaces, um, and then you've got kind of a text community, which is where I do damage with my prints and stuff. Awesome. Yeah, for anyone listening who's not signed up, I'm sure if they send you a DM of their phone number, they can get on that list, right? Because it's it's a good distribution list to be on. You get some exclusive first looks and content you don't get yeah, elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you do. And so if they do, uh, if you do DM me, I can definitely get you added to that. I mean, as I get bigger as an artist, it's becoming unmanageable because obviously I'm only one person. You can only go back to so many comments at a time. But if not, get on Discord um, because that is where it goes down um, for NFTs, especially. But it's where you can basically create a group of people, have different channels, speak about different things. But it's where you can keep your community and just talk to them at all times, other than just being on social media and whatnot, even though it is a social media platform. Love it. Um, well, that is the, that's the end of my list of questions. Any other parting words of wisdom or calls to action for the listeners? Um, I mean, I feel like we, we talked it to, talked it to them. They're probably bored of us, but um, never. No, I, I wouldn't. I, I um, I would say, um, I think what I'm finding with this particular uh, show is that there's been many a times where it might look for like from the outside that it's been easy and that it's all a breeze. There's been so many times where I've struggle to see how I'm going to get it done and there's been a, a lot of ups and downs and low points and high points and a lot of late nights and it's literally just keep going, do you know what I mean? Just trust in the pro and just keep going. Uh, I know that sounds so cliche and stuff like that but um, yeah, just have a bit of faith and, and keep going you know, um, and hopefully like I said, hopefully it will be worth it in the end. Love it. Wise words from a wise man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no, uh, this, I said to you before, this is my favourite podcast that I've done, even throughout the whole year. Um, very easy to talk to. So um, thank you for having us on. Pleasure. I look forward to season three, episode one, when we'll have you back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Count me in. Count me in. Awesome. This has been the Creative Marketing Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in again next week for another episode of the Creative Marketing Podcast with me, your host, Angus Boyle. Don't forget to check out artbyangus.com and fucking go by painting. And other than that, leave a review, subscribe to the podcast, and tune in next week for another episode of the Creative Marketing Podcast. Cheers.